Warning, the following message may be offensive to some audiences. These audiences may include, but are not limited to, professing Christians who never read their Bible, sissies, sodomites, men with man buns, those who approve of men with man buns, man bun enablers, white knights for men with man buns, homemakers who have finished Netflix but don't know how to meal plan, and people who refer to their pets as fur babies. Viewer discretion is advised. People are tired of hearing nothing but doom and despair on the radio. The message of Christianity is that salvation is found in Christ alone, and any who reject Christ, therefore, forfeit any hope of salvation, any hope of heaven. The issue is that humanity is in sin, and the wrath of Almighty God is hanging over our heads. They will hear his words, they will not act upon them, and when the floods of divine judgment, when the fires of wrath come, they will be consumed and they will perish. God wrapped himself in flesh, condescended, and became a man, died on the cross for sin, was resurrected on the third day, has ascended to the right hand of the Father, where he sits now to make intercession for us. Jesus is saying there is a group of people who will hear his words, they will act upon them, and when the floods of divine judgment come in that final day, their house will stand. Welcome to Bible Bashed, where we aim to equip the saints for the works of ministry by answering the questions you're not allowed to ask. Listen and enjoy this installment of Iron Sharpening Iron as Pastor Tim answers your sincere questions. Here's Pastor Tim. On this episode of Bible Bash, we will be continuing our discussion on depression and answer the question, what about the dark night of the soul? Now, many years ago, I listened to a Q&A uh, with John Piper and John MacArthur on ministry. And a pastor asked uh, John Piper and John MacArthur what they did about depression, you know, sudden, unexplainable depression. And so the pastor described a kind of situation where he was often crying for no reason and didn't uh, quite know what to make of it. And, and he was asking John MacArthur how John MacArthur <laughs> dealt with that kind of thing. And um, John MacArthur uh, basically exp expressed confusion about the nature of the qu question, not ever having experienced that kind of sudden, unexplained uh, sadness that this other pastor was talking about. But then uh, John Piper quickly uh, assured this pastor that essentially this kind of thing was something that John Piper himself had, had went through at different points in his uh, life and in different points in his ministry. And then uh, this is a subject that Piper had written a book about, uh, called When the Darkness Will Not Lift, and it was a, a book that was basically addressing this topic of the dark night of the soul. So the psychologists have an answer to, the, to depression, which is essentially biological. Uh, so uh, the, for, the psycho for, for the psychologist, depression is viewed as a quasi-medical illness that essentially is a form of crippling sorrow or despair that a person is uh, completely unable to help. And um, basically, the common uh, solution to depression is going to be to be put on antidepressants as far as that goes. Now, uh, there are many Christian pastors, though, who are looking at this reality of depression, which is crippling and unexplainable and then they're thinking thinking about this uh this uh category of experience that they're going, going to put in some sort of spiritual category of melancholy or the dark night of the soul and they're going to lean on some of the puritan language at this point to 
essentially describe that experience in a way that almost feels like a, as if it's some sort of spiritual attack that bears n- little to no uh, connection uh, to the individual's actual actions, thoughts, or behaviors or desires at that point. And, and part of the reason why that happens is because I think in many ways one of the things that we um, – have failed to do is that we uh, have failed to understand how idolatry in the heart actually works and how it can manifest itself. And so one of the questions we're trying to ask today is the question, well, what do we make of the dark night of the soul? Is there such a category of experience where godly people can you know, suffer? So we can describe it in the therapeutic language. Godly people can suffer from you know, the dark night of the soul, or they could suffer from depression and it be inexplicable, inexplicable and not really tied to anything that they're doing or not doing. Now, John Piper in his book, When the Darkness Will Not Lift, he has a variety of good uh, checks that are in that book to uh, basically help a person to diagnose or, or figure out what uh, might be going on. But at the same time, he does make great allowance for that category in general as a category that is a valid category. And, and so we, we want to think through that kind of category and ask the question, is there such a thing as a, a, a depression, which is an experience, which is utterly unrelated to you know the thoughts, the behaviors, the action of any individual? It's just something that fundamentally godly people might suffer from. Perhaps it's a demonic attack or something along those lines where the Christian is robbed of joy and unable to uh, you know, function at, uh, at the level that you might be expected. What do we make of that kind of thing in general? Now, uh, from my own observation, one of the things that I've seen is uh, whenever I've, I've heard many pastors who are engaging in um, or, or who are appealing to this kind of category uh, to describe some phenomenon that their own, that they themselves are experiencing. And I've seen many pastors come along and, who are depressed and then who are appealing to this kind of category in a way that I'm looking at them, I'm looking at their lives, and I know something about their lives. And I'm and I'm thinking to myself that this <laughs> this appeal to this kind of category seems to be uh, 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 being made in in a way that seems pretty illegitimate. And so the more that I've you know I know personally about these kinds of situations, I've never met the individual who is making an appeal to this kind of category where I'm looking at on the outside and thinking that that this is a legitimate category to actually appeal to. I, when I look at their life and I look at the things that are happening and I look at the uh, the situation that's going on, there there are many like idols that I can look at and I can see that are coming to the forefront and coming uh, um, to the surface, which would better explain their uh, crippling despair and hopelessness that they're experiencing. Let, just let me give you an example. Just imagine that you're uh, a pastor who is um, basically gone into ministry and had expectations of ministry that uh, essentially uh, were a bit unrealistic. Uh, you expected to go into a church and just to have people who <laughs> love the Bible, love the scriptures, love theology, love church history, and that you're going to just be able to uh, pour all this knowledge that you have developed over the course of years into these people, only to find that uh, you know the people um, viewed you with suspicion. Uh, they were highly resistant and hostile to your ministry. Uh, and it seems like every single decision that you're trying to lead them in, they're fundamentally rejecting and uh, essentially unhappy with uh, the way you're leading. And many of them are leaving. And so you you can see a pa- you can imagine a, a pastor in that kind of scenario, 
who basically is uh, feeling uh, depressed or discouraged and uh, significantly so looking around and saying, I don't, you know, there's no unconfessed sin in my life. There's nothing that I'm doing that um, I would think would contribute to this. It's just that I don't feel any joy. I'm feeling constant despair and discouragement and everything else. And then they say, it must be the dark night of the soul. But if you're a person who knows anything about them and you're looking at them on the outside, it might be that you're looking at them and you're saying, hey, um, you know what, this is like you feel despair and you feel discouragement and you feel despondency because ultimately uh, you're engaging in man-pleasing and that's what's happening. You, you, you had certain expectations about what ministry were like and the stark reality of ministry on the ground has, um, has essentially um, violated those expectations at every single point. And you're, you're the kind of person who's uh, used to be praised your whole life. And then you look at ministry, you go into ministry, and you find that it's fundamentally a lot harder than what you thought it would be. Uh, you don't have a, a, a never-ending list of people who are praising you. You have a bunch of people who are criticizing you. I mean, you've never really had to deal with this basic reality of have, having uh, an, having angry people who are fundamentally uh, hostile to everything that you're doing. And so, you know, yes, maybe uh, there is such a thing as this dark night of a soul. There's something along those lines, but it seems more likely that this situation is exposing certain idols in your heart that you were unaware of. And, and, and you, you, um, you are this kind of discouragement that you're, uh, or this kind of despair that you're feeling is better explained by other things than just some sort of spiritual attack or something along those lines. And so, uh, you know, in situation after situation after situation, when I personally have known pastors to appeal to this kind of category, me looking at it on the outside says that, you know, if Occam razor, Occam's razor is, uh, means anything, perhaps there's a simpler explanation for what we're seeing. Um, than that. Now, the reality is that there are many uh, godly uh, pastors throughout church history who have um, been characterized by despair. Uh, John Piper is the kind of person who has uh, described himself as being characterized by depression and despair throughout his ministry. Uh, John MacArthur, on the other hand, is the kind of individual who uh, seems to not have been characterized by that same kind of thing, though he's had significant difficulties in the course of his ministry that he's had to deal, deal with, including, uh, you know, attacks from the outside and attacks on the inside. But then it seems like they're two different men are fundamentally approaching life in a different kind of way, which are leading to different kinds of responses in general. But one of the things that you don't ever want to do is engage in a kind of hero worship where you are judging these kind of men from a distance, and the only thing that you can imagine is that everything that's going on in their heart and everything that's going on in their mind is functionally viewed in, uh, you know, with rose-colored glasses. Uh, rose-colored glasses. Uh, the reality is that pastors are men like everyone else, and there's plenty of pastors who have unconfessed sin in their life that weighs down on them in significant ways. Uh, you know, when your family and your friend, your family members and your friends, like, are, are uh, communicating to you that they are struggling with some sort of uh, significant depression, we can come along and we can basically say, "Hey, uh, you know, they're a godly person. They seem to have their life together. It seems like." Uh, you know, in a lot of ways, they're a better Christian than I am, and you can make all sorts of uh, assumptions. But the re- the truth is, you don't you don't know what's going on in their life. You don't know if there's secret sins in their life. You don't know if there's uh, things that uh, 
that they're trying to keep hidden that are weighing down upon them in a significant way. I mean, when David was groaning around all day long in despair, no one would have guessed that he had committed adultery and that he'd murdered Uriah. Uh, But then if you look at him, you say, hey, this is a godly man. He's a godly king. You can look at it in some kind of simplistic way and say, well, it must be that he's going through a dark negative soul, but you would have misread him. And I think in many ways, one of the things to realize is that there are many people who um, you can look at on the outside and not really have enough information to know what you're looking at. Maybe there's some unconfessed in their life that's leading to this. Uh, maybe, you know, they're giving, uh, maybe there's a, um, you're dealing with a double-minded man in a certain way to where their actions appear one way in public and then their actions in private are very different. It may be that, uh, you know, you're looking at a guy who basically, um, he seems like he's a godly guy. He seems like he's a good leader, but there's fundamentally conflict within his home and conflict within his own family. I mean, just someone like uh, John Piper looking at him on the outside, not trying to make any sort of um, definitive diagnosis about why um, he might have experienced depression to a greater degree than John MacArthur did over the course of his ministry. I mean, you, you look at uh, you look at his sons. You know, he has two sons, uh, one of which has fully apostatized, and one of which seems to be in the process, if not uh, crossing the line of apostasy. Uh, that would be the kind of thing that would weigh on a person over the course of their ministry, and it might be not be that they are connecting the kind of de- depression and. Uh, uh, discouragement that they're experiencing uh, with uh, family dynamics that are happening at home. So one of the things you can't do is you can't just look at someone godly and then who's who appears to be godly on the outside, and then in some simplistic way say, well, whatever depression they're experiencing or however they they have handled life is necessarily a result of some sort of experience that they can't help. You know, when 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 that depression kind of thing happens. And so, I mean, even just looking at the theology of John Piper in that way, I mean, I've known plenty of guys, I've known plenty of young guys who have uh, basically adopted the Christian hedonism that is present within John Piper's uh, framework and, you know, basically uh, followed John Piper down this uh, path of agonizing over, you know, is Christ my chief treasure and uh, all-consuming passion and everything else. I've seen many people who uh, basically have a low-grade depression that they're carrying around because they're tormented by uh, some of the um, um, teaching of, of John Piper himself. And I, I can imagine how that could affect him and how that could make him uh, uh, respond to life and ministry a bit different than someone like uh, MacArthur. And there's other things that you could you could think about that are related to those kind of things. And so the point here isn't just to say, well, um, it's obvious like why uh, someone like John Piper could experience depression on a regular basis. Uh, I have the ant. I'm not trying to say I have the answers as to all the reasons why John MacArthur's experience of Christianity is different than John Piper's experience. But, but what I am trying to say is, you can't, in some simplistic way, just say, "Well, they're both godly, so therefore." Uh, they're both handling life in the same kind of way, and they're both dealing with the own idols in their heart in the same kind of way. Therefore, this dark night of the soul kind of category is just some neutral thing that you just throw out there in a charitable way. Uh, the reality is you don't know, I, I, in, unless you're intimately involved in his life and asking him very specific questions, you, you wouldn't know why someone like Piper has uh, frequent uh, experiences of depression in the way that 
he does. Uh, but then one of the things to realize is that I think one of the things that the church needs to do is we need to it, we we need to try to deal with these in a more comprehensive way. And often, what's happening when you're dealing with someone who has um, this unexplainable kind of melancholy or sadness. Often what's happening there, and, and, and I mean, I, I've never met a situation where it's not something uh, like what I'm describing, but I mean, it's you know, typically it's either unconfessed sin in their life, typically it's either, um, uh, uh, so, so it's either there's an unconfessed sin, there's some kind of big problem like that, or it might be uh, that they're letting a lot of things go, and so ministry typically pushes people in a lot of different directions and where you have desires to care for the church, desire to care for your home. Uh, it stretches you. It's a big uh, time sink as far as that goes. And, and there, there's many pastors who can feel like the, this reality that they're not keeping up, they're treading water, um, they're constantly busy. Uh, and so ministry can do that kind of thing to where there's things that you're letting go that weigh upon you, things that are significant, you know, taking care of your family. When you, when you listen to you know, pastors talk who are um, tempted in that kind of way, uh, one of the things you're going to hear them say is that I wish, I, you know, I'm discouraged I'm not doing enough with my family and not being as good of an influence with my family. So there's there's often sins of commission. There's often sins of omission that are leading to this despair, this despondency. There's often idols in a person's heart heart that are de- that are leading to this despair and this uh, despondency. If if you have people pleasing tendencies in your heart, if you have those kind of people pleasing tendencies in your heart. Um, one of the things you're going to find is that ministry can be very, very hard if you're looking to others for approval. Ministry can be very, very hard, and it can lead to a lot of despair or sorrow or depression. Uh, you know, if if you're perfectionist, if you have perfectionist kind of tendencies uh, that you have, uh, one of the things to realize is that that ministry is going to push against that. <laughs> so, um, the, you know, whatever degree of perfectionism that's there. Um, this, uh, the uh, whatever degree that's there, that's going. You're going to come up against some hard realities in ministry that are going to lead to despair and to despondency. Mm-hmm. You know, if you want every, if, if you're not going to be okay, if everyone in your life isn't happy with you and and isn't pleased with you, uh, you you're going to deal with this despair and you're going to deal with this despondency. And it may be that you have no idea why you're dealing with it, but you're just tired and you're just worn out and you're pushed in many different directions and everything else. And so the point of this here today is just to say that there are many things that could be happening there. Uh, you know, you, you even have lazy pastors who basically uh, don't work as they should and they could be like one of the Puritan responses to despair and despondency is to throw yourself into work. And there could be a lot of pastors who are weighed down by laziness and sloth who are experiencing this despair and this despondency too. And so all I'm trying to say is that there are any number of answers to these kind of things. And it would be better if we wouldn't just in some simplistic way, you know, we have a loved one or a godly person in our life who seems to be experiencing sorrow or despair and just give them, an, uh, you know, a complete pass basically for this and basically just assume in some simplistic way, just because they're godly, they appear godly on the outside, that there are not fundamental problems that are are there that need to be addressed that might be contributing to this lack of joy or lack of thanksgiving uh, or lack of stability in their life. 
so there, there's many things that could could happen as far as that goes. And I'm, I, you know, myself, I'm pretty skeptical of this kind of category. And in fact, when I, when I see the kind of guys that I actually look up to and admire and want to be like in general, they are they aren't the kind of they they aren't the kind of men who are fundamentally unstable. Um, the the kind of men that I typically look up to and admire and want to be like are the kind of guys like John MacArthur who seems to be weaned from the fear of man, who seems to be more stable, uh, who seems to be uh, driven, hardworking, hardworking, and who seems to be have a greater capacity for control of his emotions and, and everything else. And so those are the kind of men that I want to follow. And and I would just say in the main, those are the type of men who you're not going to find uh, this. Um, uh, imbalance in their personality to where they're frequently tempted towards despair or despondency or everything else. So maybe perhaps there's um, some sort of category for a spiritual attack on a person's emotions, but I would say that in general, simpler solutions are probably better. This has been another installment of Iron Sharpening Iron. As always, if you would like to have your question included in one of these midweek episodes, email us at BibleBashedPodcast.com at gmail.com. Don't forget to subscribe and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Gab. Now, go boldly and obey the truth in the midst of a biblically illiterate world who will be perpetually offended by your every move. <laughs>